I came home and no one was home and the alarm wasn't on, which never happens. <gasps> we never, my husband never forgets to set the alarm. So I came in and I was like, huh, I think I'm a little scared. And I went around and I'm like, I didn't use anything specific from the show, but like I went around to every room and I opened every closet. Like, I don't know what I was going to do. I didn't even have a weapon. I didn't even grab anything. Hey everyone, welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Kate Siegel. And I'm Nikki Irvin. Our guest today is the amazing and incredible Danielle Koenig. She's a co-host of the How to Survive Podcast, and she's a writer on Dark Air with Terry Carnation. Danielle, it is so great to have you here. You Thank are you. you're so funny and <sighs> talented and wonderful. Oh, and thanks. Yeah, you're also a writer on uh, on Pop Cultured. Yes, that's how we know each other. <laughs> yes, it is. Nikki host. And you are you are just delightful. You are so Aww. you're great. You come in Thanks. with such great games and great ideas and your pitches are I don't know, you're just so funny. Like you make me laugh so much. <laughs> oh, that's uh, so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, like when you say stuff, I like perk up. <laughs> oh. Well, I talk a lot, so you must be happy. Quite a, <laughs> quite a bit. I love when comedy and game shows merge. I right? think it's yeah, it's it's so fun. It's such a fun forum. I grew up watching game shows, so and I I've, I've written actually on a lot of actual game shows that are sometimes funny and sometimes Times just game shows. So I've had a lot of experience <laughs> doing that. Oh, okay. Follow up question. What's one of your favorite game shows to watch? And then what was your favorite game show to write on? My favorite game show to watch when I was a kid was definitely Password and um, Pyramid. Those were my okay. favorites. Uh, yeah, those I liked the best, I think. I liked the gameplay. But then I was on Pyramid and it was an unmitigated disaster. So <laughs> it sort of has, uh, uh, yeah. And then a lot of them are just like factory work. It's just like you have to write this many questions in a day and there's a quota and it's not necessarily fun. Uh, it's okay. I learn interesting things by researching, you know, that, that stuff's kind of fun. But I've, well, I wrote on a show called, it's the dumbest name for a game show, <laughs> called Starface. And it was hosted by Danny Bonaducci. Oh you my God, I don't even know who that is. Do you know I'm who that love. is? Yes, yes, okay. yes. <laughs> and it was fun because it was comedy. So that was fun to write on, at least. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. That was a long time ago. I yeah. love that. Danny Bonaducci is like, he's like the yes. partridge that's still around. Yes, he's he's still around. He pops up every few years. Doing yeah. Something weird like Starface. <laughs> uh, also, I don't do. Are you a fan of Match Game? My sister and I recently started watching it on Hulu, the old 70s one. And it's, it's oh, so it good. Is, it's the best. It's, it's so incredible. much fun. Yeah. Oh, my god! to play when you're at home too. play along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know match game. You don't? Do you oh, watch Nikki. Drag Race? That's where Snatch Game comes from. But match game is like, yeah, it's a... It's the most fun. It's And it doesn't matter that you don't know who the celebrities are because we didn't know who the celebrities were at the time. Like, they were... <laughs> I mean, I was watching it in reruns, I guess. Yeah, I was watching it in reruns. I'm not that old. I'm old, but... 
Um, it doesn't even matter. They're just like famous for being famous, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Although Betty White shows up a lot. Betty White oh, shows up a lot. Like, oh. it's ridiculous. Everyone's drunk. And yeah. Y'all should have let in with that. I love to watch. I love to <laughs> yeah. watch drunk people. What? <laughs> and um, I did see Christie Alley as a contestant once. Oh. Uh, as a non, you know, before her fame days. Right. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, that's fascinating. Yeah. So look for that one, Kate. You'll you'll get a kick out of that. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a I was also on a game show and I'm like, oh, someday when I'm a famous comedian, people are gonna be like, ah, that game show she oh, was on. What was one? Oh gosh, what was it called? You guys, I don't even remember. You must not have won because if you had won, you no. would have remembered what it was called. Yes, exactly. We lost. We 100 percent lost. Was it like a trivia one? Yeah, it was sort of like a family feud type structure. It was like two groups gotcha. of people Is it America versus says? each other. Yes, America says. I might start writing for that. I don't. Oh, really? I had <laughs> a great a time because the host of it is um, John like, Michael Higgins. John I Michael think. Higgins. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. He's terrific. Yeah. Um, oh, that is so awesome. Oh, so it was you and then one other person for the pack theater who's the person who kind of like roped me into this. And then it was like a bunch of people I'd never met before. No. Yeah. And we had to have like a story about how we were all best friends, which was a total oh, lie. And the, oh. producers, the producers knew it was a lie. They like worked with us on yeah. our lie. And they like helped us make it more <laughs> believable. Like they couldn't get enough people they knew. Yeah, I guess. So random. Like like TV, photogenic, like TV genic groups. Because we Mm. had to go, obviously, through like eight rounds of auditions. Right, right. Yeah. That's Uh, how I feel like most of these things are like that. They're like, don't say you're an actor. Don't say you're this. Like, clearly everybody there is like, I just need to make some money. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like they did that with us on America's Got Talent with with Fembot when we went on there. They were like, all right, here's uh, your story should be that you're these women from a small town in the middle of California who started a choir. What? <laughs> yeah, you're not even did, allowed to, I didn't know you were on America's Got Talent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really not a, great. It's not a show I can watch, really. I mean, my son no. was into it for a little bit, and it's sort of excruciating for me. I, the, the, <laughs> the, the, like, people trying and, and just, oh, I don't know. The singing, and it's just, it's too much earnestness. I just do you think it makes you, me sad like you grew up around like Hollywood kind of around yeah. people trying to make it in the industry do you yeah. think part of that comes from just like having Tennessee date your whole life probably yeah yeah like I I find yeah. it hard to sit through and hard to watch I don't necessarily find it like inspiring um I mean we watched American Idol for a while we actually did watch that for a while, a long time ago. But yeah, I don't know. I just, the talent show thing, it's just, it's just, you're put. it's so, you're being so vulnerable and then, and then most of it's awful. And like, I don't want to watch magic. That's a large part of it. Yeah. I don't want to watch magic. <laughs> what do you like to watch? Yeah, I was about to ask that. <laughs> well, it's very exciting because today's Friday, which means that both, um, both Great British Baking Show and Project Runway are on. This is the first time I'm watching British Baking Show as it's happening. I mean, I've always just like, you know, binged it. Like, oh, I'll watch this season or I'll watch this season. I was never watching it contemporaneously. Oh, yeah. So 
when I caught up and I was like, why isn't there another episode? Oh, because it's happening now. I didn't realize. <laughs> so now it's I kind of exciting. It is kind of exciting. I kind of, it's like funny how they, you know, like them doing it made me realize like, oh, actually I do sort of like being forced to wait. Like I love yeah. binging, but I also like being forced to take my yeah. time with it. It kind of gives me something to look forward to. <laughs> who are you, uh, who are you rooting for in Bake Off this season? Um, I very much liked the V good girl obviously oh, that was really cool yeah, me too um you know i kind of and like, then they did the vegan challenge after she, she was left. gone i know so i was like that's so bad. shady <laughs> sucks so bad i like um i'm sadly i'm not gonna remember uh well i like um it's not giuseppe what's the italian country? oh uh it's something oh. just as commonly italian. yes is it not giuseppe maybe it is giuseppe i think it anyway, might be i like him Oh, I like the guy who they say looks like De Niro, but he doesn't at all. Oh, Chiggs. Chiggs. I like him. Yeah. And I like that woman a lot. Christelle? Yes. Yes. I was going to say, she has some name that doesn't match her face at all, but (laughs) she's gorgeous. She's just gorgeous. She is. Yeah. That's the thing about that show, right? You like everybody. You don't dislike anybody. Yeah. Is is it because they're British? But they're not all British. One guy's Italian, one guy's German. And he is a very stereotypical German. He talks like this. Yeah. He sometimes sounds like Werner Herzog. It's like Werner Herzog baking. It's amazing. He's like, I don't know. I just got, I'm very (laughs) excited. I got it. It's hysterical. And then the Giuseppe guy is literally looks like a drawing of an Italian guy. Like Uh it's so funny. But yes, the rest of them are British. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's something about being British and not American. (laughs) And also they're not competing for... There's no money. It's not a prize. It's not a. It's 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 literally like a platter and yeah. roses that they get. So maybe oh. that makes it. Yeah. If one of their bakes goes badly, like other people will jump in if they're finished and like help the person. Whereas oh, you that's never, nice. Yeah, you never see that in American competition it's, shows. Yeah, it's really nice. They do do oh. it sometimes on Project Runway, but then it's like always oh, controversial. It's like, should I have right. done that or whatever? And then people but, are like, you shouldn't have done that. No, we yeah. should all be we should all be doing it ourselves. Yeah, people get mad. Yeah, yeah. But well, as much as I love talking about uh, or actually hearing you all talk about this, uh, I. <laughs> I want to talk about Danielle. Danielle. I also like to binge. Yeah. I do. I do. I do like to binge you. I did watch uh, The Craft uh, just to try and find you uh, as the whispering girl. (laughs) I did see that as one of your credits, and I was like, I don't remember that movie that well. It's so stupid that people actually, like, use that as a credit of mine sometimes. I'm like, (laughs) I was basically an extra. I mean, I was an extra. I mean, I got a credit, but only because... I had lines you just don't hear me saying them because I'm literally called Whispering Girl. <laughs> but I was just like, do people really think this is anyway? Um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm curious about that. So, okay, so you grew up in Hollywood. Uh, your dad was on Star Trek. Yes. Uh, and so when did you sort of decide that you wanted to get into the business as well? Right. So I started off uh doing uh, ballet and when I was seven I was on a Shirley MacLaine variety special um, along with several other girls um, dancing so that was the first time I was on TV Um, please tell me you know who Shirley MacLaine is yes 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 yes. (laughs) 
Sorry. Uh, I'm not being condescending. I literally just don't know anymore. And I don't, <laughs> I don't expect younger people to, I really, I'm not one of those people who's like, how could you not know the classics? Because mm-hmm. I get that there's so much now, so much content that to know stuff beyond even what's happening now would be a feat. So I'm yes. not, I don't hold anything against anyone who doesn't know older things. But, um, so that was the first time. And then when I was about 11 or 12, I got an agent, an acting agent. And so I did things here and there. I didn't do a lot. I was on an occasional show um, or pilot. And it was fun. It was, um, you know, it was very stressful (laughs) because (laughs) I would go in with all these little blonde girls who are perfect looking and I wasn't. And I was already so insecure about my looks that it was... um, Maybe not the best thing to go in and compete against people on a weekly basis, you know, but, but it is what it is. And it, it was, it was fun. I'm glad I got to do oh, it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. First of all, you're beautiful. Just want to tell you that. Well, uh, thank yes. you. But I was a p- fairly awkward child. <laughs> yeah, and that so sounds pretty that, stressful. Yeah. Was yeah. it something you were like, in a sense, sounds like you were kind of like hyper aware of that in those rooms. Oh, so hyper aware. Yeah. So hyper aware. Because you would go in and everyone would be like perfectly quaffed and I would try my best. <laughs> but um, <laughs> and then um, I talked about this recently on something else I don't remember, but there was a girl at my junior high who was also an actress and she was a very popular kid and I was very not a popular kid. So that it would be awkward because I would like run into her at auditions and stuff. And oh. um you know, be like, hi, like, we don't really talk at school, but hi. Um, and then I went to an arts high school in Los Angeles for theater. I think I always knew I wanted to write, but I wasn't really sure how to do that. And I also wanted to do stand up. And I wasn't really sure I would like I sneaked out of the house. Well, I didn't sneak out of the house. I lied to my parents. This is like what the bad kid I was. I like <laughs> told my parents I was going to a friend's house and went to an open mic because I didn't want to tell anybody i was completely kept to myself how old were you i think i was 17 because it made some (sighs) important thing in my head that like you're gonna do this before you're legally an adult so i (sighs) oh yeah it's rad though yeah 17 i wasn't consistent i didn't keep doing it but i did you know i went back to it later you know it was just all tied up in like I wasn't a good enough ballet dancer to be a ballet dancer. And I wasn't really good enough actor to be an actor. Even though I booked stuff, I wasn't like working a lot. But I never really had a passion for acting anyway. So it's Mm. not like it was a great loss. I mean, I had a passion for ballet, but I mean, you know, the chances of being good good enough as a ballet dancer is like astronomical. So that's not really like, you know, it's it's not a regret. It's not like I could have chosen to be better and I didn't. Yeah. That makes sense. Like, you're one of those rare people who, like, you had uh, an example of how easy what the business of acting looked like. So I'm sure it was like, oh, yeah, I guess I can just do this. I know how to do this. My dad does. (laughs) No, it wasn't like that because it wasn't easy. It's not like I booked Uh, most of the things I auditioned for. And also, my dad was an out-of-work actor when I was a kid. It wasn't like Uh, he was, I mean, he was going to Star Trek conventions. Yeah. Right. Oh, that uh, makes sense. It, you know, he went away on the weekends to work to go to a Star Trek convention. He was on a, unemployment. It wasn't like a glamorous. Um, <laughs> I mean, he start, he did the movies, but that was like once every few years he would do a movie. So it, again, it wasn't really 
you know, we, we were fine financially, but we weren't wealthy. Also, then my brother was on a sitcom as a, I guess, a reoccurring. So that was also like, it was just, I had a lot of examples of how hard it is. Because <laughs> my, yeah. my mother's an actress too, and she wasn't a successful television actress. She did a few things. So she did mostly theater. So I had a lot of examples of this is a really fucking hard life. Like this isn't what, how, this isn't, in, and I think it was far less competitive when my parents were trying to do it than, than when I was doing it. I mean, I played, or, or even now, far less competitive than it is now. I'm sure there's a gajillion more actors vying for the same roles. So uh, when you decided to start pursuing stand-up, it was in part, I guess, motivated by like, I, acting's not really where I fit in. Yeah. How was stand-up for you for the first few times? And you said you didn't do it consistently, but then you kind of went back to it. So I'm interested to right. hear about that path. I, like during high school, I wrote stand-up. Like I kept writing jokes and writing little things down. So I, I knew I had an interest in it. And I would, you know, when you, Back then, you would go to a video store to rent things. You didn't have Netflix or anything. So you would rent a video, and I always rented stand-up. So I was very into stand-up, and my parents didn't have cable or therapy until my brother and I left the house. So <laughs> we didn't have the benefit of cable. I didn't get to watch stand-up that way. But I always knew I wanted to do it, and I went to one year of college, and it didn't work out for various reasons. But um, big regret, kids stay in college. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'm okay. So now I'm going to force myself. I'll do stand up. But I kind of inched my way into it. First, I did improv, the really lame improv company. And then I did sketch. I was like, you know what? I really want to do stand up. So I did it. And I just feel like I'm, this is supposed to be a motivational show. And I feel like I'm just going to be a downer. So I, this is um, whatever, yeah. <laughs> this, is re I, this is whatever reality is. Okay. Yeah. So I, I didn't really feel like I pursued it enough. Like you have to go fucking full gusto. And yes. It's not that I didn't want to. I just literally kind of didn't understand how to. And I'm sure I was also afraid and, you know, wasn't brave enough. And also they say it's really, really bad idea to sta start stand up in Los Angeles. And that's what I did because this is where I lived. So, you know, if I had to do it over again, I would have done things a lot different. But I also wanted to write. And I was also trying to pursue a writing career. And it is really hard. And I tried to get a writing assistant job. And let me tell you, that's almost as hard as getting a writing job. It's so hard to get a writing assistant job. And if you have the opportunity, grab it. So um, an ex-boyfriend of mine was starting on a new animated show as the head writer. And he asked me if I wanted to be the writer's it wasn't really the writer's assistant. It was like a um, script coordinator is what they called it. Mm, so yeah. I was like, okay. So I and this is... Is it's this called, Invader Zim? It is Invader Zim. Yeah. Yes. yes. Are you a fan? You know <laughs> yes. it, Kate? Yeah. This okay. is a big show for... This is exactly my age yes. growing up. Like, this is oh, right wow. in my wheelhouse. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Great. Because yes. I've met a lot of kids of, or like people of different ages who have watched it, like, like watched it in reruns or... Yeah. So that so you actually watched it at the time. That's really cool. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he... um, Well, he eventually got fired. <laughs> And then died of drugs. But um, oh. it's fine. Oh. He was an asshole. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> oh. But it was just good. Be on such an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <day. laughs> I'm sorry. I know. It was so weird. It was so weird because he was so on. He was so like fucked up on drugs and so angry that when he got fired, he stole the um, like the tower of the computer. Like, oh. oh. 
Like he stole the innards of the computer and I watched him do it. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing in this situation. He's just like (laughs) babbling on and on and on. Or like he would call me on the phone and like, okay, here's the premise. Cause like he hadn't written the premise. So he'd be all like coked up and like spitting out the premise. And I'd be like trying to type. I'm like, I'm not really that good of a typer. You better fucking slow down or take some downers or something. I don't know. Um, So, but on that show, I did get a chance to write several episodes. So that was fantastic and i guess that was my first professional i'd written like a game show but but that was my first i guess professional writing gig and um story of my life the creator of the show jonan vasquez who's extremely talented and wonderful said you know if we get picked up for for the next season we're gonna make you staff writer and i was like oh my god that's all i've ever wanted i was like so excited and then those goddamn terrorists had a bomb america and they canceled the show because it was too oh. dark. Because oh. they were worried about like, I mean, I don't know if that's the only reason. There were a lot of like Nickelodeon didn't really love us. Um, right. But oh, basically man. we were told like we're moving away from dark stuff because the show is very dark. And yes. I mean, yes. visually and in mm-hmm. terms of content very funny but and also it could be very very silly which i like the combination of like so stupid silly and dark so um (laughs) i did not get my big break at that uh juncture every time i think like oh this is the thing that's gonna put me over the top it it doesn't so everything is sort of an individualized (laughs) you know i mean i'm very grateful and i think it is a good credit and i have done a lot of animation since then so um mostly freelance but a couple of staff gigs in animation so okay well this is i'm like i don't, I don't know how to ask this without sounding uh like a what's the what's the opposite of a misogynist uh <laughs> a man hater <laughs> yeah i guess yeah just uh, a man hater but like so you've been in a lot of writers rooms yeah. uh <laughs> i'm sure they are, have been mostly male dominated so i've had a sort of interesting experience because i've had either i'm the only female or it's on almost all woman staff so i've experienced both and i can honestly say i have not had that many bad experiences very i mean i think and i am not negating anyone's experience i think i've been extremely lucky in that i've been on shows with really good people so Mm. i have never felt like i was you know, looked down on because I was a woman or not treated with respect or my opinions weren't, you know, valid. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- there was one thing I did, like an award show, that that was the first time where I was like, oh, wow, these guys are really like old school. And they were old. The, the two producers were very old. So I, maybe that's the difference. Like, they were, mu- they were older than me. So... And they were pretty dismissive. But other than mm-hmm. that, I've been very lucky. And I I was thinking about this recently that um, one guy who's very nice guy who has employed me more than once said, um, once said to me, you know, your writing is great because you write like a guy. And at the time, I was very complimented because I knew what he meant. He mm-hmm. meant that I wrote edgy and that I was a good, like, solid joke writer. And then I, but recently I was like, oh, wow, that's sort of insulting. <laughs> like, that's kind of like, wouldn't be said now. I don't think he would even say it now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was like, 
but I took it as a compliment, which shows you where I was, you know, right. like that's kind of mm-hmm. age thing. Like, I think if someone told either of you that you would be like, what? 10 years ago. No, I think I'd be in the same place as you where I was, yeah. I'd be like, oh, wow, I'm flattered. Yeah, <laughs> like, he meant same. it as a compliment and that's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Right. Now I'd right. be like, shut the fuck up. But it's just, yeah, we evolve. <laughs> like we like kind of yeah. start to recognize uh, misogyny and the way it just has sort right. of permeated the way we talk to each other. And it's very interesting. Yeah. And I think there's probably also a lot more women in comedy. Obviously, there are, is than the time period I'm talking about a lot more mm-hmm. writers. And so his to defend him i'm just gonna say a lot of stand female stand-ups he and he wasn't talking about stand-up but i'm just putting it in perspective a lot of female stand-ups at the time it was kind of like i'm dirty and i'm just gonna talk about sex and like you know so i could see where someone might go well that's what women comics do mm-hmm. but obviously it's way different now and i mean there are still women who do that and are very successful but I think that sort of pigeonhole, it kind of like stereotypes women as like, well, you only want to listen to a woman if you want to fuck her. But I think obviously we've grown from that. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. In other words, I wasn't talking about my period and that was, you know, to this person, mm-hmm. like, right. impressive. Right. Not that you can't talk about your period and be funny. I think you can talk about almost anything and be funny, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. The go-tos. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have your podcast, How to Survive, which is awesome and hilarious. Oh, oh thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I am curious, like, how did you... I, first, you know, some of the episodes, you're like, oh, How to Survive a Pirate Attack is the most recent episode. <laughs> right. I like going into it, it was like, oh, like an old timey pirate attack. But no, it's real world practical advice yes. Yes. for a modern day pirate attack. Right. And I, all of your episodes are yes. like real world practical advice. You have a mugging episode as well, which I wanted to talk to you about because I also was yes. mugged. Oh, um, in Los Angeles? No, in Oakland. Um, oh, okay. But similar to your experience, uh, the something that you said about it that stood out to me was like that you weren't scared until after it was over and then you were like yes. shaking. And that's exactly like exactly what happened to me in it. I was just like, do yeah. it, do it, do it. And then it was over and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened right. to me. Yeah. But that's, I find that encouraging because a lot of the things we talk about that we, we always joke that the first rule is stay calm but it's true like you have to think your way through something so that is good to know at least i found it comforting like okay well i know that if i'm in that, in that situation i am calm mm-hmm. i will mm-hmm. freak out afterwards and i might not make the best decisions but i'm not gonna i don't think i'm the personality that's gonna panic and like run around crazy yeah totally but so your podcast did that come from uh like sort of like an internal anxiety about like what would happen to me if okay so the so the whole title is how to survive with danielle and christine and christine is my friend christine kimmel and she's the one who's extremely neurotic about these things Mm. i am neurotic about all types of other things that mainly are just focused on my son making it to adulthood and being a successful happy person (laughs) that's basically all my anxiety goes to that (laughs) even though he shows no reason for that not to happen i'm just consumed with that her fears are like she you know like she goes to a restaurant she just casually kind of checks out the exits she's on a bridge and she's scared Um. the bridge is going to collapse she's and i it's just like all those kind of things like she's she goes hiking whatever there's an avalanche so um 
And I think there's a lot of people like her. Like, I, I think I know a lot of people. I don't know if it's women particularly, but I think I know a lot of people who are sort of on the defensive all the time. Oh, yeah. I relate to the exits thing for sure. And the bridge thing. Yeah. When I lived, also when I lived in the Bay Area, driving across the bridges, like I had a commute that I was stuck on a bridge for like 20 minutes at a time. Oh, that's bridge. Uh, Every time I'd be like, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. I know it. This is the big one. The big one's going to hit while I'm on this bridge. And then I was like, (laughs) what do I do? Do I jump off the bridge into the ocean? Where's the safe space? Well, (laughs) Well, we have a bridge episode coming up oh which has yes. to do with okay. surviving in a car underwater oh so, yes big concern oh. of mine really truly <laughs> yeah see i want to relate to the sun thing but like with my dog yeah. like right. is he gonna is he gonna is he gonna be well adjusted is he gonna as fulfill a, his a, potential yes yes, yes. I'm right yes. There with <laughs> um I do want to emphasize that the show is a comedy show. We do not know what we're talking about. I mean, (laughs) we Google the hell out of these things. I was going to say, it seems well-researched, though. We do. We we research it. But that said, we are not at all putting ourselves up as experts. We... um, in fact, we encourage people to write in for a segment we started called Well Actually, where people can (laughs) correct us and tell us we're wrong. So... But I do think some things are helpful. They think some things will stick in your brain. And then for the second half of the show, we have on a guest. And the guest is a comedian or or an actor, someone we know who comes on and tells a story of their own personal survival. It's not a harrowing story. It's usually like bombing on stage or getting fired or, you know, moving to a city with no money. It's not like a life and death situation. And that's been very Mm. fun and very funny. And we're lucky we're getting great people telling really great stories so um just want to emphasize that it is a comedy podcast (laughs) with some moments of harrowing truths and it's it's fabulous it's really great thank you so much yes yes it's great yeah so it was born out of chris's anxieties and you know a lot of the show is her saying well do you have this kind of preparedness bag and me going no of course not why would i have that why would i what so what you're t- talking about so your target audience is clearly women who are into true crime, right? <laughs> you know, it was funny because yesterday I came home and no one was home and the alarm wasn't on, which never happens. <gasps> we never my husband never forgets us at the alarm. So I came in and I was like, huh, I think I'm a little scared. And I went around and I'm like, I didn't use anything specific from the show, but like I went around to every room and I opened every closet. Like, I don't know what I was going to do. I didn't even have a weapon. I didn't even grab anything because I didn't really think that there was anything wrong. I assumed, I mean, the door was locked. Nothing mm-hmm. was broken. The alarm wasn't off. It didn't, wasn't, but you know, ringing. I assumed he had just forgotten to set it. But yeah, so I was like, now that I think about it, I didn't like prepare at all. I just wanted to make sure that there was no one in any closets. Uh, yeah. When I listened back to your mugging episode, you talk about all the things not to do. And I was like, wow, I really wish that this had existed before I got mugged because I was just walking down the street on my phone. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Like and alone. And I was just like, oh yeah, I did literally everything wrong. Oh, well then, yeah. Well, I'm glad it struck a chord. That's yeah. Don't no. be on your phone walking down empty streets. It's like, a great podcast. Oh, it's okay. very funny, but it's 
like super full of like I I I was like oh this is all very practical help. Oh good, I'm glad. No, that's yeah. the, that's the point. It's supposed to be a two pronged um, attack on your senses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're gonna do a segment we call These Are Five Things. Um, and ask you five questions we ask all of our guests. Oh, okay. First question. What's the biggest influence in your comedy career on you? Oh, God. Biggest. Okay. I'm going to say sitcoms are probably the biggest. I know you're mm. probably looking for a more specific person. But. No, that's great. I, I grew up watching sitcoms and really watching them, like really into them. So I think it formed my sense of humor from an early age. What makes something funny? What makes something like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why would that character want to do that? So I think that as a writer sort of informed me and as a comedian, I mean, I'm not a comedian anymore, but, you know, as a comedic person sort of formed my like, oh, that's a setup. That's a punchline. That's why that works. It works because that character would say that it doesn't work because they just gave a random character a random line. So do you have like a top five sitcoms list? Yes. Ooh. Well, my favorite of all time is Cheers. Um, I also, we're talking historically. So my top three of like being a kid are Cheers, Family Ties, and Bosom Buddies. And mm. Bosom Buddies is very underrated. It's not like it's a great show, but there are just moments. Talk about like character work. Like the guys were so in character. It, they, were, they were very, very funny together. Um, but of course I love like Veep and Arrested Development when it was great was like mm -hmm. the greatest. Yeah, I've rewatched re all these things because of my son. So, but I also loved Soap and, you know, SCTV and stuff like that. So that's a great list. Also, yeah. I mean, cheers. Fucking cheers. Classic. So have you guys, you guys have watched Cheers on like Nick and I or something? Yes. Yeah. Like oh, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it, yeah. Well, I guess technically Netflix like binged. Ah, okay. Like oh. binged Cheers one year. Yeah. Th so that's one of um. That's the one show I try to get my son into that he did not he did not latch onto, and it was extremely <laughs> depressing. He was like, "She's just mean," and I'm like, oh, "No, no, no, <laughs> no she's complicated. <laughs> she's not mean. She's uh, brilliant and out of her. She doesn't know what she's doing." Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. Friends, always, of course, I'd love Friends. Yeah. I mean, that is like joke writing and yes. you know, Golden Girls and all that stuff. Really, just. All right. Uh, question number two. What would you say has been your worst moment in comedy and your best moment in comedy? Okay. Okay. So my worst moment in comedy, I mean, there have been... Okay. So I did the stand-up gig and I've told this... I think I actually even maybe have said this on my show. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but it remains the worst. So how, what can I do? <laughs> um I was doing a gig and I did not do that many actual road gigs. So this was a little bit unusual. So I was already like nervous and um, I didn't exactly know how to command a crowd. But this was a crowd of Harley Davidson employees. It was like their Christmas party. That's always fun when you do a gig and it's like a Christmas party or a bachelorette party. It never kind of works out too well. They're very drunk. <laughs> and yeah. and I mentioned in my set something about being Jewish because I was talking about the holidays or something. And someone in the audience yelled, put her in an oven. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I guess that would probably be <laughs> the worst. And I'd like double down and some said something about Jews being intellectually superior or something, which 
shockingly did not win the crowd (laughs) (laughs) so i guess that would be the worst um boy is there a best is there a best i mean i've had so many great times writing on well i write i I don't know if this is the best but i'll just say this that um except for last year because of the shutdown for the last several years i've written on the writers guild awards um so we get to write for the host and we get to write for all the presenters who are you know famous people and you write in their voice which i find a fun challenge i really like that like Mm -hmm. oh this person would do this kind of joke and this person and um i wrote a joke for sarah silverman and she loved it so much and I she's always been kind of a hero to me and so I that maybe was a high point because it was like I got her voice I knew I did and like she totally loved it and then she like recommended me for a job based on it I didn't get the job but that was like that was validating you know it was like yeah 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 I mean so I'm not like the best stand-up but I can write for other people you know I can like do people's voices I get the you know, I I'm, I'm think I'm pretty skilled at that. Yeah. Which all would makes is like translates to being a good television writer, right? And writing for characters, exactly. like understanding a voice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which, again, goes back to the sitcom thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just felt like I mm-hmm. attached to the character so much that I knew like, oh, that's what this person would say. I think. And then like, I, I kind of used to do impressions too in my act, not like great ones, but I think it's the same idea. Like, mm-hmm. I know what goes in on this character. I can literally or figuratively speak in their voice. Yeah. That's so impressive. I, anytime somebody is, like, able to do that, I'm just, like, b- like blown away. Yeah. And you're like, wait, how did you do that? Like, <laughs> if somebody's writing for me and they, like, uh, my, my friend Maria does this where she would, like, write. She was my head writer on my show and she would, like, write in my voice i was like how did you know how to do that i don't understand well and also obviously the more specific the voice is yeah you know the easier easier, it is so that means you have a strong personality that she's able to do that you have a point of view so obviously it's easier to write for someone you know whether it's animation or 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 live action or uh, an award show like it's all kind of the same skill yeah i guess it's not that hard it's like Something, 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 my pussy. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Formulaic. <laughs> I don't say my pussy a lot. You I do. do. <laughs> you do. do. All the time. <laughs> At least in your sleep. Uh, in yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. Also, yeah, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, hype up a friend. Uh, somebody that you think is really, really funny. Maybe somebody you somebody you'd like to see us interview on this podcast. Oh, I mean, I'd love to see you interview my co-host Christine Kimmel. Yes, and um, well, my friend Jeanette Tim just started on on Corden as oh. a writer on Corden, like just like last week or two weeks ago. Nice, so, and she's oh, great. Awesome. And, yeah, I wrote with her on a show called The Comment Section, which was a short-lived show on E, which was super fun to write on. And uh, yeah, so she would be great too. Either of those two ladies. I just thought of a third lady who is Elizabeth Beckwith, who writes on The Goldbergs, and she just sold a show about Ooh. based on Alanis Morissette's life, kind of. Oh, whoa! Yeah. But a sitcom. It is, it's going to be a sitcom. Whoa. And she is, she's very funny and she and I met doing stand-up a million years ago and she's just uh, she was a really funny stand-up actually she's a really funny really clear voice 
and uh and just a delight just like i don't know i i guess i surround myself with like lovely people so they're all lovely oh, in addition oh, to being hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome i love that mm-hmm. uh uh oh okay so what is something that you haven't gotten to do yet in your career that you are excited to do or like that you're like that's a bucket list thing for me i would really like to write on a live action sitcom. I mean, that's basically yes. what I like to do and I just haven't had mm-hmm. that opportunity. Or write for late night, either of those two. Right oh. on. Do you have a particular late night host you want to write for? I have to admit, I don't really watch them anymore so much. I mean, I see clips and stuff, but, um, you know, I, I mean, I would... I would take anything. But um, <laughs> you will be both, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, I, I have worked on a lot of game shows, so I probably could write for Fallon because isn't that his whole thing? Yeah. Just, like, yes. Games? Yeah. yeah. He does a lot of games and like a lot of, like, games. A lot of yes. bits. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you are an excellent game writer too. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I. Uh, I feel. Uh, this is random sidetrack, but like. In our in our writings in our writing meeting and part of it's Zoom because I I genuinely I actually have a very difficult time uh, concentrating when I'm on a Zoom call. Oh, okay. Sometimes I get really like overwhelmed. So if I like <sighs> I I tend to be pretty quiet in our meetings because I'm like okay, this about to talk. Okay, don't want to interrupt them. Okay, nope, lost my chance. How to survive right, a Zoom meeting? Yes. Ooh. Oh my gosh! Actually, please. Yes. Yes. Because like there's all these. I remember learning the like self view trick like way late into the pandemic and I was like oh I don't have to look at myself while I talk to other people yes. this is amazing this is game changing <laughs> I, I don't yes. even think I knew that so you can hide yeah your, you can write other people on your window you. yeah oh, and yes. you can hide your view from yourself so you don't have that like watching constantly watching yourself oh i'm i 100 yes. did that during this interview so i apologize yeah. oh, no. I know I did. <laughs> it's no. like it's like it's impossible not it's to impossible. right it's impossible yes. not to yeah uh, uh, if i'm if i'm up there i'm watching myself the whole time yeah it's yeah. like i look normal right i look normal right yes. i look, still look normal <laughs> that's, it. that's it i look normal and then i'll be like why do other people they can just not move their face around and they just look relaxed and normal and I'm constantly <laughs> doing something or like I just look worried or every like my son says that to me all the time what's wrong mom I'm like I'm just reading like but apparently like and someone did that on the zoom the other night for the show they were like what, what? Danielle looks very concerned and I'm like oh god I'm sorry I'm just I'm reading and I don't have Botox. So I just, you can see, like. You have resting worry face. Resting yes. worry face, exactly. Yeah. That's just, I guess that's just my, you know, uh, my perspective. Relatable. Relatable. Super relatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I did want to uh, acknowledge that I think you're just, you're a great, you're a great oh, game show thank writer. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good, good joke sweet. writer. Um, thank you. Yes. Okay, final question. Yeah. What advice do you have for people either just starting out or who are in the throes of doing comedy? Okay, so my my advice is to get to know as many people as possible mm. and to keep up those connections. I don't mean in a usury, gross Hollywood way, but I just feel like most of the jobs I've gotten are because I've I've recommended people and they recommended me. So, mm-hmm. well, obviously most jobs I've gotten are because other people recommended me, but that's a lot of how it works. So be pleasant to work with. Don't be an asshole and contribute. And, you know, that's how a lot of it gets done. Um, 
you know, you just got to reach out and you got to make yourself a little vulnerable, which is not appealing and it's hard. And just to keep doing it and don't miss opportunities. Like if it's a, you know, a writer's assistant job, like you might think, oh, well, I don't want to be a writer's assistant. I want to be a writer. No, no, no. That's how you get to be a writer. Like mm-hmm. that's, you need to look for those opportunities and they're not easy to come by. So I'm not saying it's, it's easy. Oh, just do this. Like get on the tonight show. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just keep doing it. Just, you got to kind of kick, kick yourself in the butt a little bit, which I could do more of too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. Getting to know a lot of people and yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And You're thank so you welcome. for coming on. This was so much fun, you guys. Ah, thank you so much for yeah. being here. It was great. It was it. really nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you too. Thank you so much. And good luck in your careers and, and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I <laughs> wow, like, I'm wow. looking so forward to seeing what comes next from you too. Oh, yes. thank you. Yeah. It's anyone's yes. guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, you'll you'll be writing for a live action sitcom in no time. That's right. Yeah. It always yes. happens in your late forties. That's yes. usually when it breaks. Is it? Uh, yes, a hundred percent. No. <laughs> like, wait, hold on. Is way it? I missed my, this. No, I'm, I'm way past the the uh, the like breakout phase. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I feel like we're. I feel like we're coming at a time like where people are appreciating lots of different stories and are looking outside of what their usual is. Hopefully, I don't know. And yeah, Leslie Jones got on SNL late 40s as like a cast member, which is that was impressive. Unheard of, yeah. Especially since she doesn't do any characters. I know. She's just her. It is literally just her. She's amazing. Love her. Uh, But uh, Danielle is awesome. Yeah. You're great. You're wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate it, you guys. Danielle's so cool. Like, she's got a really refreshing take on it. And I don't know, maybe that part of that comes from her, like, years, just years of experience of being in the business and sort of, like, well, like what the reality of it is, which is, you know, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of just, like, staying on top of things. And, yeah, yeah, I think she's really great. Oh, my gosh, dude. I am so grateful. You know, and you get to work with so many awesome people. And so that we get to have them on the podcast and we get to talk to them. And I just want to say thank you for being, like, out in the community. You're doing exactly what she talked about, like, meeting people, maintaining connections and like meeting as many people and working with as many people as you can. So it's interesting because something about Danielle is that because she can write in so many different ways that she has experience, you know, she's written for animation. She's, she's done, she's written for stand up. She's written for other people. Uh, she's written award shows and, uh, and game shows and all of these different things. Uh, like for me, sometimes I can see that and go like, Oh, I need to be good at all of that stuff too. If I want to be considered a writer, but like something I'm literally just reminding myself in this moment is that like, Hey, maybe you you don't have to be you don't have to be good at writing all of the things maybe you're like you're good at writing some things but not like because i was um i don't know in the in the writer's room for the show i feel like i'm quiet a lot and i don't contribute as much because my brain is not yet at the point where it 
thinks in in the like game shows it doesn't i don't think in joke writing format like i like that's not that's not how i write and that's not my experience well, and i just like set up punchline yeah like, set up yeah. punchline yeah thinking about like like structure of a joke like i i still feel like that's somewhere where maybe i'm not not the best at and i'm trying right now not to beat myself up over that and realize that like okay maybe that's not where i'm a good writer but you know, I can write a solid narrative piece or I do well with dialogue, you know, like those other things. Yeah. And then honestly, like there are just going to be environments sometimes where you don't thrive, like for whatever reason, I, you know, I, the CBS diversity showcase, I beat my brains out trying to write a sketch for that showcase that they would like. And it's just, I got so in my head in that experience and just like the, all the joy out of my writing was just gone. You know what I mean? It just yeah. all the joy out of writing for me. And so I think like, you know, going easy on yourself and recognizing like, okay, there are also just some formats that aren't going to work for you as a human being or as a writer, or as a creative person. Yeah. And also I will say, that I did when I uh, like agreed to come on and host the show. I, there was an element to it that I was like, I don't want to produce. Like, I don't want to produce it. I don't want to. I don't want to write it on it even. Like, I was like, I just want to come in and be the host. And you know what? I have to. <laughs> I have to remember that. That it's like, okay, like there's a reason why I'm the ho- the host. Yeah. Uh, and right, like that's that's really where my strong suit lies. Let me do that. Let me be on the stage. All jobs are necessary. Every job in every industry. Right. And so like, you know, in a, I, translating that to a, a a game show, a comedy game show, like every job in that game show is necessary and contributes yes. to the functioning of that game show, the writing, the hosting, and like the idea that people have to do every job. Man, I'm just going to say it. That's fucking capitalism. That's capitalism rotting our brains. Not everybody should have to do every job. I think so. Yeah. I don't think that we should. We're so conditioned to be like, everybody should be able to do everything. And it's like, why? Like, why? That's, we're all supposed to be like, we're all supposed to train for the thing that then we do. (laughs) I don't know. Yes. Yes. I think that's like the thing where it's like, oh, try to be good. But I don't know. Maybe let people have the goddamn expertise. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why do we have to be good at everything? Like, why can't we just be good at this one thing and focus on that? But that's also like a weird shift because like, you know, uh, how I sort of came into my own was kind of developing uh, and creating my own opportunities, right? Like that's how we, you know, when we're mm-hmm. when we start, if maybe we're a little different, you know, we got to create our own opportun- opportunities if they're not being given to us. And so you get into this mind frame of like, well, I have to do all the things, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe we don't. We don't have to do all the things. And that there's yeah. the writers on pop cultured are so funny and so good. Like you, you don't need you don't need me to bust up in here <laughs> with my dumbass ideas, like they're all going to be stupid and involve like, <laughs> you know, uh, like vagina jokes. I don't know. <laughs> Unless of course, this is a thing you want to get good at, you know, yeah. and, you know, like, and if that's the thing you want to get good at is joke writing, this is a good opportunity to like practice that skill set. But like, yeah, again, if it's like, you know, we had this conversation about me and my relationship to acting, just like le- straight up acting, acting. Yeah. If it's not something that speaks to you, why, beat your brains about out about getting better at a thing that you don't want to be doing in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is, uh, that's so true. Uh, I love that we had that conversation and I'm still just like, mm, why am I not good at ga- writing games for my game show that I host? <laughs> like, yeah, bro. If you don't want, I like, don't need to be like, that's, to what be. Dan- that's what Danielle is for. Yeah. That's what you have writers on that damn game show for. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that we can speak frankly about this because it's funny. Danielle was like, oh, this is supposed to be positive and uplifting podcast. I'm like, no, no, it's really not. Like half the time we're like, fuck comedy. Comedy is the fucking worst. Ah. Reiterate again. Check out uh, Danielle Koenig's podcast, How to Survive. It's really, really great. And then check out Pop Culture on December 7th. It's going to be at Flappers Comedy. If you're in the Los Angeles area, they have excellent cookies and it'll be awesome you can then probably you know meet us afterwards we usually like are hanging around in front of the stage afterwards and come and meet us and then also streaming the show is going to be streaming as well so oh hell yes yes that's yes. great ten dollar streaming tickets there were a lot of people who were fans of jimmy jimmy pardo who really like you know love him and want to support him but couldn't go to the show because it's in los angeles yeah and next month, we have uh, Fizza Tassani and Marilyn Radskov. And we did have Jackie Cashian, but she had to back out. She just released a special, so. And so she had to back out. But we've got former champion Blaine Kapatch. Talk about uh, a joke writer. Gla- Blaine Kapatch is, like, watching that guy. is like, watching somebody who has literally been programmed by a computer to, like, make <laughs> jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. No. It's he wild. is amazing. He is it's wild. I don't know how he does this. He's it's like, like, and then the game will be over. You guys are moving on to the next thing. And he's still shouting out like, he's like, no, I got another pitch. I got another pitch. Yes. Like, it's like, bro, we get it. You have endless ideas. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, fun show. It's a super fun show. But you know what else is a fun show? All of the shows on the Period Podcast Network. So make sure you check out our Patreon. Kate's good. Uh, if you follow our Patreon, Kate will give you, I don't know, what did you say? Notes on a screenplay? And I'm going to send you a queefing video. So Oh, yeah. yeah cool. I'll give notes on a screenplay. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, what did you, I feel like you said something more cowbell is going to be my so- note. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Why did that make me laugh so much? Because it's the best fucking SNL sketch uh, of all time. Uh-huh. It really is. <laughs> it's just Honestly, perfect. It's like fucking it's, perfect. <laughs> uh, you know uh, what else is perfect? <laughs> when you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All right. So this is the last week. So get your review in. This is the last week for Jackie Johnson's butt oil, cookie southern and ass oil. And then I think we'll do a new uh, prize for the end of the year for the month of December. So get those Woo-hoo. reviews in. This is the last week we're going to do that. Yes. Hey, y'all. Keep <laughs> We're over Zoom, guys. Give us a break. <laughs> Comedy Girl Crush was created by Nikki Urban, is edited by Kate Siegel, is produced by Kate Siegel, Mackenzie Mazel, and the Period Podcast Network. Our music is by Rena Hundert, and our artwork is by Ariel Alter. <laughs>